Welcome to Average Meeple, where average people talk about games. My name's James. And I'm Cora. And in this week's episode, we'll be talking about our top 10 favorite lightweight games. Uh, and James, maybe more so than myself, but both of us definitely have a tendency to play and enjoy much heavier games uh, than a lot of our friends. And so uh, this is to kind of go through some of our favorite lightweight games um, that we think that anybody um, who may be new to gaming or, you know, isn't so much into the heavy games might enjoy. And so these are games that, you know, obviously that we've played um, and I think we own all of them. The way that we're defining lightweight game is any game on BoardGameGeek that has a weight rating from 0 to 1.75 with at least 100 votes. So, uh, James, do you want to get us started with our honorable mentions? Sure. So there's a few honorable mentions here. Uh, There's one that each core and I picked. And as well as I'm going to say there's a whole category of games that deserve an honorable mention. Those are social deduction games. Uh, They're really popular, really highly rated. Games like Secret, Secret Hitler... The Resistance, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, those just aren't Cora and I's, you know, typical favorite games. We don't really like the social deduction, uh, bluffing, lying, all that, so none of those really made the list, but there's a bunch of them. If you like that style of game, that genre of game, go check those out. Um, As I said, we each picked one that we do like, and for me, that game is Dixit. In Dixit, you basically have a set of abstract art cards, and you're basically playing one of those and then giving clues on it, and you want, it's kind of tricky, because you want some people to guess the card, and some not to, so it's this really sort of dynamic, you know, you want to come up with a really specific, really, just the right clue, and a lot of times that leads to almost like inner knowledge, I think it's like, ooh, if I say this, I know that is gonna know that, but nobody, I don't think anyone else will know, and like, that's how you kind of get some people, but not everybody um, on board, and I love it, Cora, Cora can't stand it. There's a reason it's James's honorable mention because it was not going anywhere near my top ten list. Uh, it is not a game that I enjoy, um, but I'm definitely in the minority on that one. Um, and I, I think even James has made fun of me the fact that I love Mysterium, which is basically the same game um, with a few different mechanics. Um, but yeah, Dixit has never been one that I enjoy seeing come out to the table. Yeah, I, and it's funny because I do think it's closest to Mysterium. But the big um, difference that Mysterium's cooperative and Dixit is competitive. Right. And I know Cora, you know, loves the cooperative games. So maybe that's why. But anyway. uh, Cora, what was what was your... Uh, oh, do you have something? No, nope. nope. so I was just going to say, anyway, my, my honorable mention uh, is a game called Telestrations. And I picked this one because it's not any sort of, you know, new new concept of a game it's basically just Pictionary but each player gets their own little whiteboard and um, and it's also kind of also plays with telephone uh, the game you played as a kid and so you know you start with a phrase and then you draw it and then um, you flip it over and the next person has to guess what the drawing was and then the next person has to draw that and so by the time you get to the end it's something completely different than what the what you started with sometimes it makes it all the way through Sometimes it does for some very I have more basic clues, but um, I will say uh, this is the game that I much prefer, you know, instead of like Cards Against Humanity or anything that you bring out kind of when you are maybe a few drinks in um, that always gets a good laugh at the table. Um, and it's always just so fun and easy to pick up that I don't know if I've ever had somebody who's played it uh, at our table who hasn't enjoyed themselves. Um, so that's that's my honorable mention. All right. 
Well, with that, let's uh, dig right in. Number 10. Our 10th our board game in the top 10 is Red Dragon Inn. So in the game of Red Dragon Inn, you are playing as a group of adventurers who are now done adventuring, and you are at the local inn drinking and gambling and so forth. The theme is fun. It's a pretty simple game. There's effectively a deck of cards, and the deck has, you know, drinks and actions. And each player has a player deck, and then there's a drink deck. And so every on your turn, you're drawing cards from your player deck. Um, that let you do pretty basic actions, like avoid taking a drink or pass a drink to another player. And there's a drink deck, which is just you grabbing drinks and handing them to other players. Eventually, you either run out of money and can't buy drinks, or you get so drunk your character passes out, and then you're out of the game, and it's it's a last man standing. Um, and I think there's a, a billion expansions for this. There's so, so many characters. You can play up to like 20 or 30 people now, I think. Yeah, there's a ton of different characters, and... One of the crazy things of the game is I think you can play as many people as you have characters. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you can play this up to a group of 10, 12, 15 people, whatever. Um, but I will say, we did play with a big group once. I think it was 10 of us. And, you know, when you're, like, the first one eliminated, it's like an hour before you're, you know. So, it's just you're just sitting around doing nothing, which is part of what kind of kills it for me a little but I think fun for smaller groups. Um, easy to turn into a drinking game, although, uh, fair warning, do not create... <laughs> when you have to take a drink in the game, do not make it a shot because you will oh, no. pass out in for real life. <laughs> um, yeah, so All right. I think that's it for number 10. Number 9 uh, is Bang the Dice Game. Uh, and I'll say this game on our list is probably the closest one to what I would call social deduction. It's very similar to a game that I played growing up called Mafia, which I know a lot of people probably played, uh, where, you know, you have these hidden roles, uh, sheriffs versus outlaws, and, uh, you know, the sheriffs are trying to kill all the outlaws, uh, and the outlaws are trying to kill all the sheriffs, and again, it's similar to The Last Man Standing, you know, if, if everyone's dead except the sheriff, then the sheriffs win, um, if everybody's dead except the outlaws, the outlaws win. Um, and so basically you're, it's a little bit of a push your luck where you're rolling die, you're trying to get shots on people, um, and, you know, this is one of those games that for us comes out every year at PAX, um, it's one of our, our group's favorite, it's easy to travel with, and, you know, I think, I think it's also a better implementation of the game versus just bang the regular card game, and, you know, I think it's a game that can play a lot of people without being too long between each turn, you know, which is something I think we look for in a game, uh, you know, for a big group. Right. And I think one of the kind of really interesting parts about it is that when the game begins, you know who the sheriff is, but you don't know who anybody else is. Right. And so if you're an outlaw, you kind of want to, you know, hedge, you know, hedge your bets a little bit, like kind of maybe help the sheriff for a little while until you can maybe find and kill the deputies, then you can all like gang up on the sheriff. Um, but since you don't know, you can accidentally be shooting other outlaws and the sheriff can be shooting his own deputy and it, right. it, it can take a little while before you think you really understand the table. And, uh, so there's a little bit of bluffing, you know, right. a little bit of deduction. Right. So this is the closest thing we have to a deduction game. I do believe that, but so, okay. Um, all right. So number eight, Number eight is a game called King Domino, which is a very simple drafting game. Uh, basically, you have a little 5x5 five five grid, which represents your kingdom, 
and you are a king trying to build out the greatest kingdom that you can by drafting these tiles that are either farmlands or forests or mountains, really, you know, whatever you so choose, but the goal is to, in your little 5x5 five five grid, build the largest sections of each of those. So, you know, you want like a large field and a large forest, um, as opposed, you know, if you build real small ones, they're just not worth as many points. And so you're basically taking turns drafting tiles, uh, you know, trying to coordinate the best little kingdom that you can. And uh, there are a few variants on the game. If you get into kind of, you know, if, that, if that's a little too simple, there are a few variants you can add in um, later. But I'm not going to dig into those. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love drafting games. And so for me, that's fun. And, you know, I think it's it's I kind of it's kind of like a little puzzle you're trying to solve. And it's a little 5 by 5 grid, making sure everything fits. And that's, that's attractive to me. So, you know, for being a simple game, I, I really like this game. Yeah, I mean, there's the more complex Queen Domino um, in a similar vein, but probably also a little bit more complex as Isle of Sky. Sure. Kind of that drafting kind of feel to it. Um, and building out that landscape, basically. So, um, all right. Uh, number seven is a game called Hanabi. And it is a card-based game. Uh, I would call it somewhat of a set collection um, where you're basically trying to build these sets. Um, and the larger the set, you're basically building a fireworks show. And so the bigger the set, the better the fireworks. And it's a co-op game, and so there's not really win or losing. It's just how good you can get. You get if you the more the better fireworks, the more points you get, and then the more points means the better ranking. And so. Um, the fun twist with Hanabi is that you actually don't see what your cards are, but everybody else does. Uh, and so you have to ask, I think it's yes or no questions. No, ask, no, basically you can give one, on your turn, you can give a clue to give someone. Give a clue to somebody else. That's right. I'm sorry. And, but you can only give one clue. Right. Um, and so you basically and, you can like point to like, so you can say to yourself, like, I'm going to tell them how many threes they have in their hand. Right. And you can... You can point to the cards. You can say, like, this card, this card, and this card are threes. Yes. So um, you can. I think you can say how many of one color, one or, color one or one number. number right. right. And so, um, you know, this game is really quick, portable. Um, I think the, the not knowing what your hand is is a new concept for a lot of it's, people. It's a I new think. twist for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, it's one of the games, again, I love co-op games that is easy to to kind of talk through, um, and I really enjoy. So um, it was actually higher on my list when we went through this. But but yeah, Hanabi. That's yeah, I think, I mean, I'm going to add on a little bit. I think Hanabi, it's not my favorite game, but I do think it's, yeah, for a lot of people, this is a new twist. I mean, a lot of people haven't played co-op games. A lot of people have never played a card game where you're holding your cards facing the wrong way so you can't <laughs> see them. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of takes a little bit of explanation to kind of get people started almost. People just aren't used to it. But it is it is very interesting, and you do actually get better at it. You mm-hmm. do sort of learn like when to give certain clues. At first, you know, the first game just like, well, I'll just say this, and it does not pan out well. Right. But you do sort of learn over time like what the right clues are um, to kind of get better and better. So. And the more you play with a group, I think, the better you get. You can get as a group too. Right. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's one of those games that's easy to explain where basically you have to just start playing for people to get it right so all right number six number six code names uh you know code names i think for a lot of people could easily be like number one uh it got super popular a few years ago and for a good reason it's a very 
it's one of those games that in rules is very simple, but can be a kind of a very complex mental experience, I guess. Um, effectively, you have a set of cards in front of you. It's a five by five grid. Um, each card has a word on it. And your team has a little code card that said which of those words is your, are your team's. And you're trying to get your teammate to guess all those words by giving a one word clue um, and how many cards relate to that one clue. Um, I don't know if I did, did it really justice there, but, you know, say you had, like, you know, flowers, purple, and, you know... Chew. Chew or something on the board, and those are your words. You might say, like, colorful or something for three, because flowers can be colorful, purple's a color, and, I don't know, maybe you own a lot of colorful shoes or something. And, you know, so it's... But the question is, so that's all you can say is colorful, three. And, you know, can your teammate sort of reason out of all these other cards on the board which ones are those it's uh it can be a challenge yeah i mean like like james said this game exploded in popularity and there's tons of variants now uh we have a couple of them ourselves i think we've got we've got base code names we've got code name pictures code name harry potter i know there's code names disney marvel all sorts of them yeah there's a two-player one, two player actually, one. Oh, uh, there's the one with the giant cards that are uh, like, yeah, yeah. like a couple inches big at least right um so there's there's tons of variants on it uh it's and it's a game i actually played when i competed in omegathon that's true um, and we won uh, in that round so um, you know, again, a game that comes to the table a lot, a game that we've played with our families, um, easy for people to pick up who, who've never board gamed before. All right. Number five. All right. Number five, uh, is Timeline. Uh, Timeline is, again, it's just a card-based game. It's very simple. Uh, and I actually picked it up at PAX a couple of years ago, just based on the, the box size, uh, and the simple, the simple rules that were on the back of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a trivia game. Uh, basically you're given a hand of, um, you know, depending on the version you have, uh, I think the first one we picked up was invention and it was like different when things were invented. Uh, and the goal is that, uh, you get rid of all of your cards before everybody else. And so the way you do that is, uh, a card will go down in the middle with a invention and a date, a year of the invention on it. Uh, and when it comes to your turn, you have to place one of your cards um, either before or after the, the date where you think that that item was invented. Um, so as the game goes on and more and more cards get put down on the table, you kind of have to fit your cards in between other cards. Um, so, you know, you might have, there might be a card on the table that says 1880 and another card that says 1870. And if you have a card in your hand that is from 1873, if you don't put it right between those two cards, then um, you won't be able to get rid of that card. So if you're wrong, you get a new card and you keep going. And if you're right, the card goes down and lives on the table now. So, you know, I think, again, this game makes a lot of sense to a lot of people very quickly. Um, you know, timelines just make sense. Uh, there's tons of variants, so you can do um, just world events, United States events, uh, inventions, I think I said. So uh, a game that's come to the table a number of times, um, and we always have a good time with. Yeah, I mean, two things I'll say about this game. Uh, one, you can actually learn a ton playing this game. Mm -hmm. And uh, two, you can find out that you can feel stupid playing this game because a card will come up where you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I know when that is. And then you realize you were 500 years off. Right. And uh, 
but yeah, no, the game's a ton of fun. Uh, like Horace said, a ton of variants. And, oh, and all those different uh, variants can be combined to make right. really big decks. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun time. All right, number four. Number four. So number four is uh, one in a series of games, uh, the Forbidden Games. So uh, we've played Forbidden Island, Forbidden Sky, and Forbidden Desert. Uh, the only one that actually meets our simplicity criteria is Forbidden Island, so that's the one that's on the list. It's the first one that was made. It's the first one that was made. It is not my favorite in the series by any means, but uh, yes, being the simplest, uh, you know, if you're just getting into, you know, board gaming, I think this is a really good stepping stone. Um, it's another game on our list that's cooperative, and effectively you're playing as a group of explorers on this island that's, you know, being, you know, it's basically sinking, and, you know, water's rushing in, and you're basically trying to, where you're trying to collect these artifacts and then get off the island before it, you know, it completely sinks. And so it's sort of a, a time limit game in a way. It plays a lot. It's it's basically a more simple version, I would say, of Pandemic. It's the right. same Matt Leacock. It's, it's a, yeah, it's in that same vein. Them, so. Um, right, but each person has a different uh, kind of explorer class. You have a special action, and you kind of move around this little board. And uh, the board changes. The board changes. Yeah, know. the board's made up of tiles, and so they can flip and begin sinking and all this other stuff. So it's you know it's kind of got to work together to get the artifacts and get out. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a very fun game. Highly recommend it. Yeah. So now we're gonna get into the top three. Oh, top here. three. Here we go. Top three. Here we Number go. three. Number three. Uh, number three is a game called Bonanza, uh, and this is probably one of the older games on our list, uh, also made by Yui Rosenberg, who um, I think listeners may know is probably one of our favorites now that we've talked about him a couple times. Um, but it's a set collection game, and the goal is basically you are uh, planting beans in your bean field, uh, and the larger, the the bigger the bean field, the more money you can make, and at the end of the game, the person with the most money wins wins the game uh so uh but not only are you doing set collection you're also negotiating with the other players trying to get them to give you the beans that you need uh, and then trading away the beans that you don't uh so you kind of have this open hand uh in front of you and then uh cards in your hand that are hidden and so you can kind of um you know, use that to your advantage to, to try and get what cards you need. So, uh, you know, it kind of has that feeling of, of negotiation like you get in um, in Settlers of Catan, maybe. And so, uh, again, it's a very simple game. Uh, you know, you can play uh, quite a number of people. Uh, I think there's a ton of expansions and variants, but I think we've mostly only ever really played the base game. Um, yeah, I, I really think that's all you, you need. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that this is one of the... It's probably one of the first games uh, that's re- that really came out to the table um, when I was really first learning. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played this game, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, I will say there's there's a couple aspects of this game that will frustrate certain players initially. Um, the hand that you hold in front of you, you cannot reorganize. And... At the start of your turn, you must plant the first card in your hand into your bean field, which if it's not the type of bean you're already growing, you have to harvest your field and start over, and that can be frustrating. And that's like actually the whole another big key aspect of the game is like the, the hand management. Like you need to make sure that the next bean in your hand, when it comes back around to your turn, is one that you want to plant. So if it's not, you got to trade it off or right. give it away or do something with it. Because if it comes back around and you're stuck with it, that can be bad for your field. Yeah, um, but that's part of the, that. I mean, that's sort of the fun of the game, though. So yeah, it's one of those um, games just figuring you, that out. So. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games where you really have to think four or five steps ahead. 
Like, you know, you have to really plan. So as simplistic as it is, you know, and there is a lot, there is a good component of luck to it. It does require a lot of planning. Right. All right. Number two. Here we go. Just one. <laughs> um, Just one is a relatively new game. I believe it came out in 2019. And it's along that similar vein as code names, where it's sort of uh, you're giving clues to guess words. Um, it's a completely cooperative game, and similar to Hanabi, where you're not really trying to, to win. Right. There's yeah. basically you're trying to get to a certain number of points. So in uh, just one, you can score up to 13 points. Similar. We did mention this about Hanabi, but in Hanabi, there's like kind of a max point score. But you know, if you ever get that, well, then like sure, you guys won. Put it on the shelf. Like good job. Um, I've never done that, and I've never done it in just one either, getting the max number of points. Um, but effectively, on your turn, you draw a card. The card has a word on it, and you don't see it. Everybody else sees it, and everybody else gets to give you a one-word clue as to something that relates to that word, and then you have to guess the word. And there's some other tricky components. Um, really, everyone writes a word in secret, and if any, if everybody gives if anybody gives a duplicate clue with somebody else, they have to erase that, and you don't get to see it at all. So it's happened where everybody wrote the same word, and you get no clues. How can you guess a word with no clues? Um, you know, et cetera. So you, you want to give an obvious clue, but not something so obvious that someone else might write it. And, uh, and that's really the whole game. You just take turns going around being the guesser, and everyone's the give, clue giver. And it's it's actually a ton of fun. You can play it with just about anyone. Everyone yeah. can pick this up in two minutes. I think we played a good at least two hours of this game with my parents. Yeah, we played it with with parents, um, you know, friends who aren't big gamers. Uh, you know, it, you can play it quickly. It doesn't take a long time. No. It doesn't take a long time to explain. No, it's a it's a really good game for just family, for friends, just for everyone. It's it's a it's a good one. Yeah, um, and it's really interesting to see what people kind of come up with, like things that you would never have thought of, and then it being a really good clue, or when you know somebody misreads what the word is and gives something completely off the rails which has definitely happened as well um but yeah we always have a really fun time with this game um we, we played it at james's brothers and uh you know we played it once and i immediately ordered it because i knew it was going to be a hit with the family so uh definitely a great game to and again travel with really simple um we played it in line at pax too so uh highly recommend just one all right, number one. And all right, our absolute top game, lightweight game, is Love Letter. And Love Letter, again, is it's probably also tapping into the social deduction game where um, you have a deck of cards where uh, each card has a royal member of the family on it. So there's dukes, princesses, princesses. Uh, um, or just the well, princess, one, one princess, princess um, countesses, and you you know how many of each type of card there is uh, in the deck. And so when your turn comes, you can play the card you have in your hand or a new card that you, you pick up from the deck. So each uh, family member has their own power, and so you use that power against somebody else uh, to try and force them to play their cards or to n figure out what they have in their hand. Um, each card has a, a number on it, and so the goal is to be the last person standing with the highest card. And again, this is one of those games that is super quick to play and explain. 
Um, it also has a ton of variants. I know a lot of people like to create variants. I've seen tons of them on, on board games, the board game subreddit, um, where people like to reskin them, uh, into all different themes like Rick and Morty and, um, you know, uh, Marvel characters and stuff like that. So, you know, this is probably one of those games that will kind of stand the test of time for us. Yeah. I mean, and like Cora said, it's really the gameplay is really quick. But she didn't. She didn't mention that a round of the game, like to play the game, takes thirty to forty-five seconds, right. I mean, maybe two minutes. But it's a very quick game, and then you play, you know, ten or fifteen rounds of this until someone wins, like four rounds. Each time you win, you get a favor token, and um, first person to get four favor tokens wins. So really, you play like you know twenty rounds of this, uh, and the deck of cards is like fifteen cards. So it's like really quick. And, uh, yeah, there's only, yeah, there's like seven different cards. You have to learn what they do and that's the whole game. Right. And they're very self-explanatory. It says exactly what it is on the card. Everyone has a card in front of them that says how many of each player there is. So you can kind of deduce almost like counting cards in poker. You can deduce once you see somebody, you know, play a certain card, you know that, oh, there's only three more of those cards left in the deck or there's only two of them and we're both out on the field. You know that there's no more of them. So. It's card um, counting, but you can actually do it. Right. As, as, there's as, only... a, as a normal human being, you can actually count <laughs> Right, because I think there's only, like, what, 15 cards Yeah, there's only 15 cards in the whole deck. So, so yeah. you, can, you can do it. But, yeah, I mean, that's... I think when we, when we we were both coming up with our lists, this was definitely... For both of us, it was the only game that showed up in both of our top three. Um, and I think for good reason. It's it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out on our table for the foreseeable future. That, uh, that's what go. I think. Agreed. So, all right. That is the average meeple top ten lightweight games. So I'm gonna run through it real quick again. Red Dragon in Bang the Dice game, King Domino, Hanabi, Code Names, Timeline, Forbidden Island, Bonanza, Just One, and Love Letter. So if you're not a big heavyweight gamer, you don't want to get dragged down by complicated rules and all that. Check out these ten games. Or if you know people who, you know, you want to play games with, but they're not big into it. You know, a lot of these games are, you know, good for just, you know, getting people into the gaming or just, you know, people who, again, who don't want complication and complexity. These are all great choices. Yeah, so if you agree, disagree, you know, you can always uh, tweet at us uh, at Average Meeple or on the website, averagemeeple.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, that's the... Uh, I think that's the last thing we wanted to say. That's it. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.